Hey, it's Vincent. How's what it going, up, guys? My green friend. <laughs> it's good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. good. We're going to get I, comfortable. Yeah, no worries. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Your lighting's phenomenal. It's way better than mine. My goodness. You guys, it looks like you've almost done this before. Well, we've used Zoom a couple of times for a couple of podcasts. <laughs> once or, uh, once or twice. We're doing this from our house, which has the best internet, but uh, doesn't have the best coffee options. We're not at work. <laughs> so sure. I'm drinking black coffee. And man, I'm sorry. I missed the obvious opportunity to send you some coffee to enjoy from us during the interview. So I'm sorry. I'll do uh, it. I'll follow up after this and uh send you some some beans in the mail yeah oh that's awesome i uh i have so one of the things that i've been really wanting to do and i've been kind of pushing it off because of you know all the other you know content building stuff um is i've, I've wanted to review beans and um what i i used to teach i used to teach a history of coffee course at at my university and it was so fun. We, what we would do is we would trace the migration of coffee commerce, starting with Ethiopia, bounce over to Yemen, head up to Turkey, um, split off to um, Indonesia. So we would, as we went through these different migration points through the history of coffee, we would stop, pour over coffee, and try yeah. coffee from that region. Wow. We, just, we had a blast. The evolution. By, yeah. By the end of the, the two hours, everyone was full of jitters. And <laughs> yeah. I love that wonderful. story, though. Uh, and I loved the uh, PBS documentary on the history of coffee. That thing, I recommend anyone who really loves coffee to watch that. Okay, PBS documentary? Yeah, you can find okay. it on YouTube. It's a four-part series called The History of Coffee. Really put aside a whole daytime to enjoy it because it takes a while to get through the whole thing does it really okay yeah okay. but it's a great documentary it's really informative and um and it talks the same journey and and about the dutch the dutch east india trading company and yes using yes. coffee as a as a exotic spice and yeah how, how that was like responsible for a lot of um you know and i don't i don't want to like bring in colonial imperial uh takeovers but a lot of exploration of the rest of the world was based around coffee and other spices yeah no that's that's awesome i will definitely look that up and, and dig into that um, Man, we're huge fans of yours so um just know that we're going to give you like uh the the utmost respect and attention to this and we review the questions and they're great questions and uh we've been in this kind of community for six years now almost yeah. six years now six and, years um we do things a little differently than the other cart people and so we we have some things that we can share to help like give them some info that maybe they didn't think about mm -hmm. yeah awesome and you know yeah I, I i put questions out there to kind of give some general format but i am not tied down to that in any way whatsoever at all i mean a lot of times the conversation steers left at albuquerque and that's where we go you know yeah yeah absolutely well so, we're just a couple southern farts in a whirlwind so <laughs> there's no telling where we're going to take the uh take the topic 
So let's, uh, if, if it's all right with you guys, let's maybe we can just start off with introductions and just kind of, yeah, yeah, just kind of go from there. I'm Andrew Mrozkowski. My wife Ashley and I started Pedal Java almost six years ago in Knoxville, Tennessee. The evolution of the business has changed tremendously since we began, but we found a nice little area that we operate in mobile coffee in the South. So you guys, you started off in Knoxville, Tennessee. Have you branched off anywhere else or has it just been Knoxville? Well, we do um, traveling events in different parts of the country. So before COVID, and I feel like yeah. every good story starts before COVID. Right. <laughs> but before COVID, we would go from Pittsburgh to Atlanta, all along the East Coast doing uh, different traveling shows, such as Comic-Cons, sports tournaments, um, you name it, we did it. Um, since COVID, we've really kind of stuck in Knoxville, but we will be going back out again, for sure. So you had mentioned that you had started up, uh, you know, Northeast in, uh, in you said like P Pennsylvania, is that what you- Yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay, uh -huh. Pittsburgh. And so was, was, was there a certain, was that like a festival migration or what, what was it about Pittsburgh that, that drew you in that direction? There is a Comic-Con, and for okay. those of you that don't know, it's um, a convention for fellow nerds is the nice way I can put it. And yes. uh, yeah, us yes. too. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, it happened three times a year in Pittsburgh. Okay. It's called Steel City Con. Okay. And so when we were looking for shows and different uh, venues to be able to travel to and to work out of, we found the show that happened three times a year and we thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to expand, build a base in a different area. Um, and if there's growth potential, you know, there's other shows that we can do. So yeah, that's okay. kind of where it started and then it branched down from there. So uh, so you guys were like, okay, this is something that we enjoy doing. We like Comic-Con. So, so, you know, there that looks like a good spot to start off. When, when you did your first show, how did that go? Oh, it was a disaster. Um, <laughs> we um, So we had served Comic-Cons and other sports tournaments here in Knoxville, which is our home base. And um, the, the beauty and the benefit of working in a convention center where you're from is that if you need additional supplies, if you need support, if you need sure. other baristas, you can call people or supplies. Sure, sure. Um, so we get in the van and we travel. It's about eight hours to Pittsburgh oh, to do okay. this show. Yeah, and okay. We we bought one table, thinking it would have enough room for all of our stuff. Yeah. Well, we did not read the fine print, and okay. it was really like six foot by four foot, where we were trying to put our entire setup and serve uh, ten or twenty thousand people. Okay. It, it, it was a disaster. <laughs> okay, so but, so you get in and, and you're like, you talk to the event program ma manager and you're like, listen, this isn't going to work. What happened? What what went from there? Well, well, we always adapt, man. That's one thing about mobile coffee is you can't, if you go in with just one plan and you don't have yeah. a backup or anything you can do, you are really in a pickle. So yeah. as mobile coffee purveyors, we have to have a backup contingency plan. Yeah. We squeeze things together. We eliminated things from our setup. We reduced parts of our menu. We got in there and met people knowing full well that the first time an event, you may just break even. Sure. So that was sure. our goal. 
to okay. get in there and break even to pay for our costs and hotel expenses and travel expenses yeah. up to a new market. And uh, we ended up making a little bit of money, enough so that we could pay for the uh, a bigger location in the building next year or at the next event and came back three months later and just destroyed it. And wow. we uh, sort of tweaked our um, our methods every time yeah. to where we just about have it perfected now. We know okay. where to get ice close yeah. to the venue. Okay. We know where to get milk close to the venue. Okay. We know that we have we know how much coffee we need to bring. We know how yeah. many syrups and toppings we need to bring. And then uh, if that doesn't work out, we've got backups. Yeah. Okay. So the first step was like let's just prioritize and execute. Let's find out what we need to do shift shift gear so that we're focused on what we can kind of move forward with yes. and then so so you did the event were you just selling like cups of coffee like you know like fraps or something or what, That's what, it. what were okay and were you doing samples or how how did you sell the cups because there's if you're doing comic-con there's probably other vendors out there i imagine there are and, but and so but coffee vendors are very rare at really these kind of events. really so, yeah, so we found um, even in our local markets that uh, the coffee, mobile coffee was underserved. Okay. And um, our background in the coffee, uh, mobile coffee business actually goes back to when we were planning our wedding. Really? We had always loved coffee. It's yes. something that okay. we met over and something that we've always enjoyed. And uh, we found that when we met, we were able to like bond over that. And um, then got together on coffee dates and coffee shops. Um, I've always loved cycling. Uh, we decided to get married. We had so much in common and so much love, Vincent, that uh, we started planning our wedding. And we decided we'd love to have a coffee bar at the wedding. Seems like a okay. simple request, right? Sure. Yeah. In, in our part of East Tennessee, there was nothing like that at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could get an ice cream bar. You could get a nacho bar. You could get a grilled cheese bar. Anything really? you wanted. Macaroni and cheese <laughs> bar. But coffee bar was coffee. not. I mean, you could get a trailer or a truck. Yes. But to have someone cater an event. Inside. In a smaller scale. Yes. We decided once we were done marriage, once we were done with the wedding, we would start a mobile coffee business mm -hmm. to try it out. We were both technology workers with 15, 20 year careers behind us. Okay. And decided let's do something on the weekends that we could do for fun. A little coffee cart that'll serve weddings and private events and we'll price it like a, like a catering service. Okay. And okay. we'll dress up, it'll be a little vintage style Yes. With a great menu of locally roasted coffee with local dairy milk. And a southern twist. And a southern twist. And a southern twist. And, and it worked great. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I would say within like two months of us starting, we reached out to the convention center here locally and said, hey, we noticed you don't have any kind of specialty coffee at all. Yeah. None. Yeah. Um, we'd love to come have a meeting with you, maybe serve some events. And from there, it just took off. How yep. was that initial when you first reached out to them and you're like, hey, we do coffee. How did that conversation go? The honest truth is I wrote this, the director of food and beverage okay. at the event center. Yes. 
Uh, like the, I, like the catering manager? Sometimes that, that position would be called a catering manager. Okay. But with these big event centers that we serve, yeah. um, they're split a couple okay. of different ways. Okay. There are two large multinational companies that manage food and beverages for most of those big conventions. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. And uh, in our city and other cities, the city might own the building. Right. But they don't know anything about putting on giant events. Sure. Sure. So they bring in a company from Chicago. Okay. Or a company from New York or Los Angeles to manage these event buildings. Okay. And that's the way it is in our town. And that's the way it is in most towns. Interesting. So okay. We approached our local director of food and beverage at the event center who works for the giant multinational company. How She's a local expert. She's been in the business for 30 years. Mm -hmm. She knows everything about food and beverage at how, events. How'd you get a hold of it? Was it just like on the, like on the website or like how? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We, just we right there. It's like, of about, you know, uh, a half a million people. Sure. Okay. And uh, it's small enough to where I know people who know people. Mm -hmm. Okay. And okay. it turns out that this person was not only a coffee lover, which number one is got to, you got to find someone who understands specialty coffee. Yeah. Because if they're not a coffee drinker, you will never be able to convince them the importance of having specialty coffee in their sure. center. For their guests. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. 50% sure. of their guests at those events want specialty coffee. Yeah. And if they yeah. don't have it, they go to Starbucks. They go sure. somewhere else. Sure. If you sure. keep them in their building, then you keep the guests happy and you keep your, your events happy. Yeah. So this lady took just great pity on me, I think, <laughs> and um, brought me in for a meeting made sure we had all of our insurance up to date, made sure we okay. had permitting and licensing up to date. Yeah. And um, then basically said, what are you doing next weekend? Would you like to come serve a gymnastics tournament? And that tournament was six years ago, almost yeah. six okay. years ago in April. Yeah, I've and done a few gymnastic tournaments and those things are, they're little gold mines. Yeah. Listen, girls, <laughs> girls athletics. That's yeah. our sweet spot. Okay. Okay. We love gymnastics, volleyball, basketball, cheerleading. Sure. You name it. If it's yeah. girls athletics, it's full of female athletes. Yes. And their moms. And their moms. And their aunts. Yeah. And their grandmas. That's right. And the post lady. <laughs> and the preacher. But he doesn't come on Sunday because he's preaching. I mean, they bring whole families full of people to support these young athletes. And they, they drink a lot of coffee. They maybe. do. Yes. I know that one. I, 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 yes. Yes. So when, okay. So, so when you talk to the, the, the catering manager or the, the uh, you, you used a different director. term. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what was, what was the term you guys used for her position? Her title is the director of food and beverage. Director of food and beverage. A lot of times Vincent, they just call this F and B. F and B. Ampersand B. Food okay. and beverage. Okay. And uh, every the, the exception to this rule is sometimes they hire out catering companies to manage sure. their event centers. The smaller ones will use a local or regional catering company. Okay. And um, th those are not always as willing to work with you. 
Right. Because a good catering company is also a good business. Sure. And if they realize there's money to be made in specialty coffee, next year they'll have their own there. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So the sure. big international companies were willing to work with us, and we immediately established um, uh, contracts with them that renew every year. Okay. And basically okay. say we can work in any of their buildings mm -hmm. as long as their food and beverage director locally yeah. agrees to it. So do you have to like, do you have to bring, do you have to apply for temporary permits if you're moving to another city? Is that kind of what you're doing? Okay. Well, it depends. In okay. cities, cities like Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, that we work frequently, we will have longstanding yearly permits there. But in other areas, we do a two-day or three-day permit. This temporary. Okay. They they take a look at our documentation from our home county. Yeah. They may do a physical inspection. They may not. And uh, frequently, just for a little cash, will give us a couple of day permit to operate and sell our drinks. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. And just just take a second for anyone that may be watching this and they might be like kind of brand new and, and not quite understand the difference between the temporary permits and kind of the yearly permits, the annual permit, they're a little, a little in my experience, and you guys fill me in if, if you've seen something different, I think you have probably a little bit more experience in this category. But in my, in my experience, the annual permits have been a little bit more anal retentive with like things like hand washing sinks and triple sinks and making sure everything's real tight for the full year. Mm -hmm. My experience with temporary permits are like, can you wash your hands? Can you wash your utensils, you know, do you have a trash can and, and kind of like more general, is your food going to be safe? And can you keep yourself clean during the shift? Um, got a little bit, I've, I've experienced a little bit more laxy daisy permitting with the temp permits than I have with the annual permits. And then on my end, the temp permits have only been for like, like 24, 48 and 72. And occasionally I'll run into a seven dayer, but most of the time it's like, the weekend or something is right. that kind of right. what you guys what on what's the been other your side experience? of the country it's exactly the same you okay. nailed it that's the way it works they are a little more loose for example they want our commissary kitchen to of course have a three base sink mm -hmm. but if you read the fine print on some of these temporary permits they're like can you provide three buckets a right. wash bucket a rinse bucket and a sanitized <laughs> right. bucket and i'm like really that is good enough <laughs> <laughs> well, in a 24-hour setting, they say that is. Yeah. They don't want you to use it. There are some things that are a little more detailed. Like some of the temporary permits will say things like you can only use a set of dishes for four for no more than four hours. So oh, that's interesting. Say you can use a set of dishes for eight hours. Okay. We, of course, as, as mobile, we use the same things y'all do. We use spoons. We use milk pots. We use ice scoops. We use blenders. All of these things have to be cleaned after a certain amount of time. Sure. So generally sure. we carry an extra set of dishes, okay. swap them out after four or eight hours, keep going okay. if you can. Okay, gotcha. And so being under the umbrella of this kind of national, international company, it then gives you uh, an in on other locales. It does. Exactly. Okay. And, and another advantage uh, in working with those venues directly, and, and this is something that relates to the permitting issue as well, uh, we have business licenses in these areas, but when we operate in their venue, Vincent, we're working in their kitchen, okay? That's okay. an important distinction to make 
to those local uh, health departments and inspections agencies is uh, as long as their kitchen is inspected and their kitchen is approved and up to date, when we work in their facility, we are working under their inspection. So a lot of times when I say they don't come in and inspect us when we get there, it's because they've inspected the venue's kitchen. I see. And, so you're an extension. Right. right. Okay. So whether we're storing perishables in their walk-in cooler or using their dishwasher to wash our dishes at the end of the night, yeah. or just sharing a physical space with them, uh, it operates under their jurisdiction. So we're under the jurisdiction of the kitchen we're working in. And that, that goes for the, you know, the big companies that manage yeah. these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've experienced similar stuff on some of the festivals. They'll have like a mm -hmm. kind of a communal commercial kitchen that we all kind of use, or they'll set up like a big trailer refrigerator and then we'll all kind of use that. People will come along and steal your milk and that type of thing. Yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that, you know, Vince, it sounds like you've done some events. We, we, I just want to talk to you about the stories you've seen, like big music festivals is something we don't do. And um, we toyed with the idea. We tickled the water with our toes a couple of times. Yeah. But uh, I can only imagine. We have a giant festival here in Tennessee called Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo. A lot of people haven't okay. heard of it, but it is one of the biggest music festivals in the South. It takes place over a whole week in Manchester, Tennessee, just about an hour and a half, two hours from here. Wow, and okay. It is, uh, it's a massive thing. 100,000 people. Yeah, 100,000 people. Rocky Monkey out of Nashville handles their coffee for that event, though. But uh, we were asked at one point, uh, the, the company that manages that festival is based here in our town in Knoxville, okay. Tennessee. Yeah. And, and we were asked, would we consider doing the Bonnaroo Music Festival? We turned it down. But uh, I bet there's some wild stories about doing coffee at a music festival. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, gosh, I did the, I did the Rolling Stone. The, the only experience I have was that is a festival called Desert Trip, and it was a, it was a, a twelve. So it was two weekends, and there was three days the first weekend and three days on the second weekend. So you had a couple days in between to kind of gather your your pieces together. Um, mm -hmm. and it was, it was a big festival. When I got the phone call, I got the phone call and the gal was like, we're wondering if you'll come out to California and set up. And I was like, okay, well maybe, you know, why don't you send me the information and I'll take a look. So she sends it to me and it's, oh, it was, mm, it was Paul McCartney the Rolling Stones, The Who, Bob Dylan, Pink Floyd, and there's one other, I can't remember it, Neil Young. So, so yeah, that was who, so it was The Who opened for Paul McCartney. Uh, no, Dylan opened for McCartney. The Who opened for uh, The Stones, and then Young opened for Floyd. Um, and I, I remember looking at it and it was October 7th, 8th, 9th, and then like 13, 14, 15th, something like that. That's the problem was that's also the time of Albuquerque's balloon fiesta. 
And we have an influx of 100,000 that come into the city for that. And I mean, it's an early morning event with a hard start time, like all the good stuff that you need to make a lot of money. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, I saw, I was sitting on it and I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I didn't feel good about going out to California and swiping credit cards and trying to make money like in a food court, because I could do that exact same thing here in Albuquerque, right. you know, for, for a fraction of the cost. And mm-hmm. so I wrote the lady back. I wrote her back and I said, no, I told her no. <laughs> wow. And she was like, she was like, are you sure we'll pay you? And so what I did is I, I looked at my prior year's numbers ran the numbers and projected my profit. And then I, and then I tripled it and sent her the bill. And I think the bill was like, I think the bill was, I think my first offer was like 21 grand is what I was, what I wanted out of the gate. And I think she countered at 12 and I think we settled at 15. Wow. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go out for 15. Make it Um, work. And her thing was she wanted me to set up in the VIP section and just hand out free coffee. I had a little green camper. And so I had an aesthetic appeal. That's really what she was selling was a vibe. Um, so we, so we loaded, we loaded the trailer onto a U-Haul flatbed. I remember that night was interesting. <laughs> that was very difficult to do and so we loaded up because i didn't want to risk like breaking an axle flat tire you know i only had one axle two tires on that thing and i didn't want to drive it across california somewhere in winslow you know break down you know so so i was like well let's load it onto a flatbed and we'll tow it out there and uh so that's what i did and i packed it full of cups i was expecting two thousand um, 2000 cups. Those, that's what I guaranteed her. I would say, okay, I'll give you 2000 hots and 2000 colds at a, at a 16 ounce. That was what she paid for. And I think I maybe, and I, I would go around in the beginning of the shift to all the vendors. I was part of a VIP food court. There was a bunch of food trucks out there, a bunch from LA, two other coffee trucks. And I would go out with this big waiter, um, disco you know and and i would hand out coffee to all the vendors because i maybe gave out 200 cups throughout an entire weekend and and i was like chasing people down trying to hand coffee out like take my coffee because i had so much product i was expecting 2000 cups and what happened um, to bloom festival i gotta know what happened to bloom festival the balloons yeah, so the well, I let the balloon fiesta go that year. Yeah. And, and I just focused on on that festival. Yeah, I let the balloon fiesta go that year. And we, the, the, we would have taken both. They were the we same found weekend. A way to do both. <laughs> yeah, they were, you know, but no. you guys have multiple. I only had one and you know, yeah. I yeah. I would have so, painted another trailer <laughs> right. in a week. <laughs> painted it green. <laughs> He yeah, I, I, I'd paint a paint a cool beard on a barista 
and give him a cool cap and say, this is Vince. This, this, <laughs> Hi, I'm Vince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that was my only experience. It was a wonderful experience, but, um, you know, we, we didn't sell to the general population, which turned out to be a blessing because, because you're part of the VIP section, you mm. also get VIP wristbands. Right. Which meant like we, because there was a hundred thousand people there. We were deep into the into the stage, which was mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so it, it was good. You drank good. You saw did. the best music in the world. We did, and because we went around and handed coffee out to all those food trucks in the beginning, we didn't pay for food. Not not one dime. We anything we wanted at that food truck court, we got to have. You know, so. Sounds you like know, a one-time score. Yes, that was yes. a one-time score, though. That's yeah, yeah. That was uh, so that was that was the only experience at a like a large music festival that I've had. So I've had limited experience there, you know, to be to be straightforward. But the experience I had was was wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, I've done some uh, football games, and I've done some some big venues since, just not not concerts my concert here the concert venue that i have here is is on lock um they're mm -hmm. owned by a, a national company you know i wouldn't be surprised if it's probably the same company you know probably um, so. but yeah but we haven't we we tried to give it a crack a couple times and haven't been able to to break into to our concert venue so so you guys have been invited out to to this big concert venue but there's another one there there's another coffee ven vendor there yeah, we passed on it. Okay. And they ended up using Frothy Monkey out of Nashville, an awesome coffee shop, several coffee shops around the Nashville, Tennessee area. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure okay. that Frothy Monkey does a great job. They run a great show. Mm -hmm. Do they? Okay. Were they a coffee truck first or are they a cafe? Their cafe. cafe. Okay. And so they, they set, set up, up like some a tents. Okay. They moved in some machines and some big generators and found yeah. a way to make it work. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, good for them. Yeah. Kudos to them. So let me backtrack a few steps. So, so you folks got started in, in the bike industry and you wanted, you wanted the bike because of a passion for bicycles or what was the draw to the bike? No, I mean, yes and no. Um, we both love the outdoors and we go, we, we live in the, one of the most beautiful places in the world here that's full of cycling and full of other outdoor things. But the bottom line for choosing the bike format was financial. Okay. Was it just, was it less expensive or what was? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Way As less expensive. Neither of us had a background in food or beverage. Okay. Uh, we're both tech workers. Okay. And uh, I, I worked for 20 years in the electric in utility industry. She worked for 15 years in the uh, cell phone industry. Okay. And, um, and when we met and when we married, we were tech workers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And only after we started this business, did we have any experience in food or beverage whatsoever. So yeah. we okay. learned it from the ground up and we're both coffee lovers and both home baristas and both uh, outdoors people. But now it was all about saving money. It was something I thought I could do. I'm a little handy with tools. Okay. Um, I had the the uh, know-how. Um, was willing to make some mistakes along the way. Sure. Yeah. So you know, we are. I built the first one myself. Mm -hmm. Did you really? 
Yeah, I built all of them. So yeah. where? Okay, so you. Okay, so we. So we decided. Okay, we're going to do a bike instead of a, a truck or a trailer, right? Mm -hmm. Why yeah. the bike over a cart? What was the draw to the bike between that and and kind of a traditional table cart? Yeah, well, it's a little of both. Uh, okay. The very first iteration is actually a, a small trailer that pulls behind a bike. Okay, ah. so it is like a cart, but the bike is used to move it around downtown Knoxville. I see. Okay, so here's okay. the plan. <clears throat> I wanted the company to be called Handlebar Coffee. Okay. I wear a handlebar mustache. <laughs> yeah. The bicycles have a handlebar. That's right. Yeah. And we serve coffee. Seems someone had already taken that name. Okay. So uh, not being the incredibly creative person, I just <laughs> twisted it a little bit and okay. said pedal Java. It's a pedal powered. It's a pedal transported cafe. Yeah. Uh, we call it a micro cafe. And the very first one just did hot drinks only. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Uh, a combination of pour over and AeroPress and mocha pot, just basically manual extraction methods. Okay. And how and, were you uh, heating? Were you heating with like propane or did you yeah, heat have a, each Each of them have a small propane stove. It's actually a multi-fuel stove that we use now. Okay. But originally, yeah, it was liquid propane. Okay. And uh, we used a small little green yeah canisters you know the, the ones you can refill okay. or whatever yeah you can't legally refill them oh really no good. not legally good to know okay it okay. says it on the label they can't legally be refilled okay <laughs> roger that <laughs> but to make a long story short the idea was it was street side coffee mm -hmm. it was one guy one crazy guy with a mustache and a and a bike she supported me but she kept her job, if you know what I mean. Sure, sure. She wasn't going to take any big risks. Um, <laughs> as it turned out, that was probably a smart decision because street side coffee in a city our size just can't support even a single one person household, much less two and two do a dog and a cat. Really? So I had to retool. Let and me dig in. Let me, looking for a can I dig into that? I want to dig into that just because that's a nugget right there. So when you first started, were you doing like downtown or what? What? What was the? What? What? What was the beginning? Four days a week. Four days a week. I would pedal from the van, which was parked right outside. It was, at the time, it was my little SUV. Okay. And I designed the cart so the wheels would pop off and the cart would slide in the back of the SUV, and okay. that's where it lived at night. And Got then it. I would drive it into downtown, but park right outside of downtown. Yes. Where no one was watching. Okay. And I'd unload it out of this SUV, take the bike off the rack, hook it up, and pedal it downtown. Okay. Okay. I made it look like I was pedaling from- You've been doing this for miles yeah. away. <laughs> but what? it was really like three quarters of a mile. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, down to yeah. so with sweat yeah, um and then i would set it up and from 7 a.m to 10 a.m four days a week weekdays i would serve what i thought was a market with business people downtown okay which even in a, a city of a half a million people is a very small market okay there's some people who live downtown there's some people who work downtown 
but most people in our county do not live and work downtown. Okay. Even though we have a vibrant, wonderful downtown. So, you know, I was making like 50, 60 bucks a day, man. It was like rough. Yeah. yeah. Rough. Okay. For, and it, it, I was doing it in some cold mornings and yeah. I was fighting a lot of challenges and it was very discouraging. Sure. Sure. Very depressing. And what? Uh, it was in that like, that worry and concern for a business failing, my first entrepreneurial uh, venture failing, that we started reaching out at her suggestion to uh, event venues. But it wasn't even like it is now. Here was the plan. She convinced me wisely to ask if we could serve on the sidewalk in front of their venue. Ah, not even okay. come inside. Sure. Just use our existing thing to serve as their crowds were coming in and out. Sure. Yeah, sure. They said no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, and this was the woman who helped me so much. She said, it's, it's an interesting idea. And I love seeing people start up interesting ideas. Come meet with me. The, the very worst thing that'll happen is I'll give you some advice on how you can make it better. And she did for free. The best thing that can happen is you've got all your paperwork in order and I'll put you in an event and mm -hmm. see just how badly you do. And Vincent, <laughs> boy, I did badly. <laughs> that first event, I showed up with like four gallons of milk, a couple of pounds of coffee, Sure. And she took one look at me and she said, in her most Southern way of saying, bless her, your heart, she said, oh, honey, no, <laughs> you're going to need more than this. There were about 4,000 people at this event. Wow. And it took place over two days. Okay. And uh, within hours of it opening, I was calling her, can yeah. you bring me more coffee? Can you get me more milk? Can you find me more chocolate? Can you find me more vanilla? Mm -hmm. I'm in a crisis over this. <laughs> a couple hours later, it was another crisis over mm -hmm. something else. So it was getting baptized by fire and, <laughs> and then, then having five days to recover and plan the next one, which yeah. happened the next weekend and the next weekend. And within a year, we were doing 60, 70 events a year. We had wow. multiple parts. We were splitting teams. Mrs. Petal Java carries a team to one venue. I'm sorry, I just hit her right on the vaccine spot. I know. Oh. Uh. We got our vaccine yesterday and it's oh, a little yeah. tender. <laughs> She'd take one team to one venue. I'd take another team to another venue. Uh, and we just kept growing it, adding more carts, hiring more local baristas who knew uh, cafe work. Yeah, and who could be trained to do mobile cafe work? So you, you, you. At this point, you, you kind of transitioned from working the show to be more of a distributor, like kind of a distribution point and planting little, you know, little beacons of coffee. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Okay. We, we transitioned from one cart, one person, one really long line <laughs> for coffee to three or four distribution points through the event center where people could stop and get coffee from either him or me or, or one of our eight other baristas. Yes. Um, 
or maybe he's in one venue and I'm in another venue and it just grew and grew and grew. Gotcha. Okay. So what was, all right. So just kind of taking a step back. So, so we, we, you went downtown. Let, let me ask a question on that. So what was it about the downtown thing that drew you in in the first place? What was it that you were like, I think I could do something here. What was the draw to it, to the downtown scene? It's the biggest concentration of people in okay. our city. Okay, so it was downtown. So you and saw I knew I didn't want a cafe, uh, even in a long term sense. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people who start out in the cart mafia. Yeah, and they say, "Well, this is what I'm going to do until I can afford my cafe." Sure. Um, and I dig that, or this is what I'm going to do until I can afford my truck. Sure, I dig that, but that was never our plan no and okay still not our plan we don't want a truck we don't want a trailer we don't want a cafe you're you're java your pedal java that's that's it that's what we're sticking they are to modular each okay. each cart each bike can serve up to x number of people right and okay so for bigger events we just add more bikes we you add more carts okay and uh okay. they work all they tie up in a row and uh, it's like a, a coffee bike pulling little trailers behind it. It's, <laughs> That's cool. It's like a little coffee sleigh. A little cart caravan. Is it? It's, little... it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and they share equipment in between. For example, they have a flavor station in between the setups, so they okay. share the pumps. Okay. You have a blender bank behind. They share okay. the blender bank. Oh, so sure. We share equipment, but each station has espresso steamed milk water hot yeah. water all cold of brew. cold brew cold all brew. available to them right at their station but for preparing drinks and and serving customers they take the next one in line i see so we form okay. one line in and one line out and the the next barista available will take the next customer in line i see and we so, have so you got to watch our our time lapse videos on pedal java and mrs pedal java i'm sure vince will tag them below mm -hmm. yeah but um there's these time lapses where you can see literally two thousand people come through our stations within a four-hour time period yeah. and get a scope of what it is we do whatever city we're in we're the busiest coffee shop in that city on that day yeah wow so what was the what was the deciding point on getting on on growing there was a moment where you're like okay we've transitioned from the downtown to the convention we're seeing progress in the convention yeah. probably kind of one of those moments of relief i think this is going to work yeah how do we deal with this how do we deal with this and what was that moment where like i think we need more oh I i'm gonna let her explain <laughs> this and i'm gonna go get a fresh cup of coffee this is a great story okay listen up folks <laughs> this is a great story i'll be right back so we were probably six months into working conventions. Okay. And I would say he was working maybe every other weekend, maybe. And okay. there was an event that came up and the director of food and beverage called and said, this is a huge event. 20,000 kids, all kids. Okay. And it's um, an event called Destination Imagination. And it I know is, that event. Yes. Yeah. It's, so it's yeah. like a smart kids convention. Yeah. And uh, she said, you're going to need, 
you're going to need another car. You're going to need something. Well, I'm so greedy. I didn't want anybody else to touch our money. Okay. I was like, I don't want people touching our money. <laughs> so I'll take off from my job and I'll help you. So he built in the span of two weeks, built a second cart and you know, we go into it together and think, oh, we can, yeah, let's, let's do this together. And I think we had 40 people in line nonstop from the moment we opened until the moment we closed for four days in a row. It's true. And no breaks. No, like I would realize, oh, I've been standing here for 12 hours and haven't gone to the bathroom. That, that level of crazy. Wow. And I think it was at that moment I said, okay, I think I should quit my job. Like, I really think there's something here. I think the, 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 the feeling was if we could do 10 of these a year, yes. Yes, if we could find 10 events that were this big, we would only have to work 10 events a year. Okay, yes. that was the original thought. And that was enough for her to start planning an exit date from her job. And by that point, I had like gone full time. I was all in. Events, coffee, I'm going to make this work. But, uh, you know, it was another year after that before she put in her notice. And it was mainly because her job valued her so much they wouldn't let her go. They kept giving her more promotions and more money and she kept working with it. And, and she eventually gave them a two month notice, right? Like, two months, I'm leaving for good. You can't talk me out of it. And uh, we never did find those 10 events is the funny part. And, and I don't want people to get unreasonable expectations from this. Six years later, we're still looking for those 10 events. Yeah. Um, and COVID really destroyed those 10 events. Sure. Like, where are they now? But um, no, we do uh, repeating events. They come back every year yeah. to these venues uh, that we sell more coffee every year. We mm -hmm. do them. Yeah. We have to bring more supplies every year okay. because we're providing a great, delicious cup of whatever they want and great customer service. And the kind of like immediate one-on-one -on -one customer interaction that you can't get, no offense, sure. at a truck. Sure, absolutely. I absolutely agree. There's, There's no an wall. intimacy to a cart that that you don't, that the truck just, just can't do. I 100% agree with that. The mm -hmm. cart, that's, we did carts, we had, a, I've had two carts, one at a farmer's market and, and, and another one that we, we, we towed around. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's so, it's so intimate. You, you can, you can talk to people they are right there in front of you versus a truck. You kind of have this barrier and almost like, it's almost like an assembly line. It's a little bit mm -hmm. more like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. You know, go wait over there yeah. next, you yeah. know, like, you know, so yeah, absolutely. I can see exactly what you're talking about. You guys have a real interesting from story because, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I interrupted. We carry the customer from the greeting all the way through to the very last step, which is the money. We do things out of order too. We, we greet them and we talk about what they want and then we give them their coffee and then finally we settle up on the money. Oh, that's interesting. Why, what, how did that come about? That process of, we didn't know better. Yeah. <laughs> and now we just like the personalization of it, you know, okay. um, especially when baristas are working everyone has their own tip cup. 
So you're motivated as a barista, not only to give good customer service because it's the right thing to do, but you are responsible for that tip. There's no yeah. tip sharing. We don't share tips. No. Sure. Get it. What a, what a beautiful way to do it. I mean, that's kind of the best of both worlds, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like it ensures that a good product is getting out, but it also ensures that there's good customer service as well. Mm-hmm. Good for you guys. What a really good way to do that. I it's like the story easy, that though. you started we off out- as <laughs> you keep nudging me. I keep interrupting. <laughs> we outgrew the cart setup. You know, like what people imagine to be a typical coffee cart business is so much tinier than what we do. Okay. Uh, it to the customer, it appears like a tiny cart business, but there are so many parts of the machine. Uh, it it really takes full-time, both of us managing Mm -hmm. supplies, inventory, staffing, repairs, so many things to make it appear that it's a tiny little single happy vintage coffee cart. Sure, sure. There's a lot of moving parts going on behind the background. Mm -hmm. How much do you want to know about the moving parts? Well, I want, so tell me about quarantine kits. Oh, Okay. Yeah. This is a cool a, story. This is a good story too. Okay. Um, so it's this, a, this coming a, up weekend. It's the anniversary yes. of this story. Um, so this coming up weekend, we were going to an event in Sevierville. Tennessee. Which is okay. like 45 minutes away from Knoxville. Think Dolly Parton. Um, okay. And we were in the van and this is a four cart, four barista show. It's about 5,000 cheerleaders. Okay? Big one. Okay. So. We, um, we were loading in and we took all the carts up and then we went to our local dairy farm to get milk, 60 gallons of milk in the back wow. of the van. And we're pulling back up and literally there's someone on the dock that works at the convention center doing this right here. And we're like, what? Turn around, what are you talking about? And they were like, no, the show is canceled. Um, you take your stuff and get out basically. And so I had this kind of OS moment of like, what are we going to do? We have literally 60 gallons of milk. We had, um, I want to say it was about 60 gallons of cold brew coffee. Mm -hmm. Sure. Pre-brewed. Pre-brewed, probably another hundred pounds between drip coffee and espresso. Yeah. Pre-roasted. Pre-roasted. Uh, we had so much money in supplies and expiring product, right? Yes. You see it. Yeah. My money yes. is now ticking. I now have a ticking yes. time bomb on my money. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. So we came up with the idea. We got back home and we cried. Well, I cried. I was emotional. <laughs> I'm like, what are we going to do? And um, we came up with this idea to prepackage the things that we were going to use at this cheerleading competition and sell quarantine kits for $49 locally to anybody in Knox County um, from our website and that we would deliver for free. And that would keep the product from expiring. Maybe we'd make a little bit of money on it. And then we could think about our next step because this coronavirus thing was gonna be over in two weeks anyway, right? Right. Two weeks, it's it's gonna be gone a year later. Here we are, but (laughs) side note. Um, So that's what we did is we, uh, packaged up like as one type of syrup, whipped cream, um, a bag of coffee, and then sauces. Cold so brew. Cold brew. Mason jars. Okay. Yes. 
milk, and everything we could get them for money. We had to do we it. We did it. We had to convert this 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 supply this uh these the stock into cash. Yeah. And so we used our, we have a, a warehouse where we store because our, our cart business has grown so much Sure. where we're storing our carts and, and whatnot. So we use that warehouse space to package these okay. things. And then the next day went out on deliveries and I probably ended up donating some of the milk to we like did. our homeless shelters yeah. locally. Sure. But by goodness, we sold all of that product. Did you that, really? was supposed to go to that cheerleading event and uh it gave us an idea that hey while people are at home they're inside we really need to utilize local delivery and deliver taking our products to them because nobody can get out and that was the first step to saving our butts really through through quarantine she had so many good ideas that just came one after the other the first was let's package all this stuff into kits, deliver it locally for free. The second was uh, we got to get on social media almost 24 seven and start cranking out content. She says, I want a little cooking show uh, on YouTube. I want to do short video TikToks. I want to do, uh, I need to get lights. I need microphones. We need to like have some equipment so we can make quality social media posts. And she blew up. I'm not sure if y'all are watching this girl on TikTok, but 90,000 other people watch her every day, watching, making coffee recipes, ordering supplies from social media because they're watching her make these coffees. Wow. She's become the star of the social media side of the business because she has the looks oh, shush. and the personality. <laughs> and the southern sass <laughs> kind of bless your heart and kiss my grits um, but we uh she she just had a bunch of ideas that made this thing work and and by the grace of god and her good smarts we were able to convert all those ideas into money that helped us pay the bills and get through this time where there were no events at all which yeah came out to about 11 months total. Wow. No events at all. Wow. Other than a very, you know, once a, a wedding, once in a while, very yeah. small, yeah. socially distant, tiny little weddings. Yeah. Uh, but no sports, no conventions, mm -hmm. no comic cons. Everything was canceled sure. in our world. So uh, it only recently started back up. Mm -hmm. And we're wow. tickled. We're tickled about that. Well, now, in the arm where we got the vaccine <laughs> yeah. because we serve a lot of people and, sure. and we want to like remind people who are in event coffee and and deal with a lot of people y'all it's important to get this vaccine like mm -hmm. this ain't a political statement sure it has nothing to do with you or me sure it just means we serve a lot of people yeah sure and not sure. only can those people get you sick but you could possibly be getting them sick too Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Well, I mean, you're talking to an old paramedic, right? Like, I for me, vaccines are yeah. I spent yeah, seven years paramedic. on the truck, and and uh, you know, I went, I worked the streets during H1N1, and wow. so it was kind of the. I mean, it wasn't nearly compared to what this was, but you mm -hmm. know, still, the we saw a lot of people. We lost a lot of people to H1N1 because of just the sheer length of contagious. How long? 
people mm. would remain contagious. They would, you know, the sickness itself would be three weeks, but then you had a week before and a week after, so you had five weeks of spreading. And, you know, if, if anything at all, it would just shorten that period. So, you know, on my end, we, yeah, we, we did a lot of uh, vaccines during the, the time. So, I mean, this is a really interesting pivot. So, I mean, I've seen multiple pivots in, in your business so far where you guys have adapted to the environment. And it sounds like you're really good at reading what's on the wall and making changes based upon your environment and what you're seeing. And, and I applaud you for that. That's magnificent. Uh, this pivot is interesting because you've pivot from a point of kind of convention sports to almost online retail. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if the on online retail will remain kind of subscription-based or you know, keep a, a following um, when the convention comes back up. Because then at that point, you now have two business models. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's this idea of a synergy that can occur because, because here, you know, all this time when you're doing the conventions and you're in front of 20,000 people, those 20,000 people are also potential subscribers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we learned that in the last few weeks. Oh my goodness. And Vincent, I want to thank you for so eloquently summing up the things that keep us up late at night. <laughs> we managed to say that so eloquently, but yeah, we're scared as all dookie because we have built a separate business and it was something that we planned to do for a long time, but we had like a five-year plan to grow that business. We ended up doing it in five months or less. Yeah. And now we're, uh, we're at the point where we have to hire to handle it. Mm -hmm. We really are going to, our next move, other than more baristas as events come back is, uh, is uh, a warehouse or a fulfillment manager we're talking mm -hmm. about calling it. Sure, yeah. sure. Where, where they basically just work on distribution and shipping, that type of thing? Yes. Yeah. Good for and, you. And uh, we've already brought another great idea. She had Ashley, Mrs. Pe at Mrs. Petal Java <laughs> online. Okay. Well, She's the brain, okay? One more time. Yeah. One more time. Yeah. I got to follow her. <laughs> One more time. One more time. It's at Mrs. Mrs. Petal Java. M-R-S-P-E-D-A-L-J-A-V-A. -A. Mrs. Petal Java said, okay. uh, look, we got to like, um, we've got to like. We got to get stuff off our plate. Yeah, we got really to have our baristas doing some social media posts. Yeah. And bring in their personalities. Yeah. And show people who, the folks who work for us, who entertain us. And now they can entertain our social media audience and um, uh, sort of just diversify that. We've built that part on the two of us and our personalities. And we're opening that up to some of the, our folks who work with us too. Mm -hmm. And that's been really nice to have them take over some of the social media stuff. Now yeah. that's as interesting. As well as uh, talk about having a, sh a shipping and warehouse manager. Well, sure. you have to think about it from a cart perspective, when you take the wall down and you're serving someone and you get that really personable experience, we all play on each other. So mm -hmm. he'll be at a different cart making a drink and I will be harassing him endlessly, like <laughs> just really teasing him or another barista, like we're, we're laughing, we're having a good time. And so 
each of us, I think, are entertaining, but Pedal Java is the aesthetic of all of us working together and lifting each other up and yeah. being silly when there's a hundred people in line and a lot, you know, a, a lot of that is make or break. Oh my gosh, I'm I have a hundred people waiting for coffee. Um, but to still see a group of people laughing and having a good time and enjoying what they do as a consumer, you want to continue to support that business, right? That relationship. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so we really want to show our baristas online um, as well and grow, continue to grow our business on the social side as well. Sure. Yeah. No, that sounds amazing. You know, social media has been by golly, the biggest weakness in my chain. I've, always what? struggled with it yeah oh. and you do it so well <laughs> i mean for me it's been oh, it's been a struggle it really has it's been this kind of and part of me and at this point like you know all my my instagram and my facebook are are all managed by someone else because i'm just terrible with it you know i just I go okay you guys deal with it i'm not you know i'm not i'm not good with it so the idea that you're kind of giving taking this and giving it to your community and saying, okay, let's get your personalities in this. Let's involve, you know, the, let's involve you guys as well. I think that's a really smart part on, on your half. I think that's really smart. So, so are you guys picking up some convention? Are you, is, is your city starting to open now or what's yes. where, where, where are you guys? Okay. So it's your like at a kind of 25% or something or. Yeah. Something yeah, like okay. that. We had typically January to March is okay. our busiest time of the year okay. um, because sports conventions, uh, you have both cheerleading and volleyball in like their height season. Okay. And then you have kind of the um, national level of gymnastics meets. So you okay. have all three of these kind of playing at a really high level. So we've had volleyball come back and we've had seven volleyball tournaments that we've okay. done in 2021. Okay. Um, Which is great. Yes. That's great. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's, I would say year over year, our events are probably down 70%, like where they should be. Sure. But I expected to have nothing in 2021 so far. So I'm very happy. Yeah. And we, other, we, we have some events still canceling for this year. Sure. And we have some events still rescheduling for later on in 2021. Sure. But overall, sure. overall, we see an increase in the, in the event world. We see yeah. it coming back. Yeah. And um, if uh, we all like do our part and uh, stay safe, then we can yeah. really start to open this thing back up again. Sure. But sports is the first to come back. And we knew sports would come back first. Okay. Because... Okay. Um, America, you know, yeah. <laughs> we gotta have our sports. That's yeah, right. and a lot yeah. of these are like club type. These are sports, college bound, scholarship sure. mm -hmm. athletes. Yeah, okay. And you know, they are not gonna have their sports career stopped uh, for more than a year. You know, mm -hmm. they they may have lost their junior year, but they're not gonna lose their senior year. No. Sure, sure. And um, yeah. you know, now that where cases are going down those tournaments are starting to come back. Yeah. yeah, same here at our state, like the schools are reopening, everything's kind of coming back again. So there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel, which is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, which yeah. Is we wonderful. have cheerleading this weekend. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. 
that same cheerleading tournament that turned us down with 60 gallons of milk in the van. Oh, yes. This that, that just, so. <laughs> so we're obviously a little nervous. Like, yeah, are you no, sure? Tell yeah. them the name of the you event. Sure? Okay. I don't want the to name of the event is kids. Yeah. The event is actually called Double Down. <laughs> All right. So I, I got some logistic questions for you guys. Right. Um, so you, you mentioned that you're doing espresso-based drinks on the carts. Mm-hmm. So that so so that means you're using an espresso machine, or you're doing like AeroPress, or what's? How do you obtain your espresso? Great, we make a pre-ground espresso drink using the Dedica EC six eighty five by DeLonghi. This is okay. a home prosumer espresso machine that you can get at most of the big like box stores like Williams Sonoma. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, it is not a fancy dual boiler Italian machine. Okay. However, each cart has that single group machine and each cart is responsible for typically two to three espresso drinks per interaction. And that machine has a, has a, a what you call a, um, a thermal block machine. It's not a boiler machine. So it doesn't have the time to recharge like a lot of boiler machines. It's instantly heating little bits of water instead of a big volume of water. Sure. Does it produce the same quality of espresso as your um, Rancho? No. But does it get the job done? Yeah. Sure. Our espresso is also pre-ground, which is some a decision that we made a long time ago. Uh, our, our coffee is all fresh roasted here in, in Knoxville and we grind it right before we use it for the event. So um, a lot of people got the grinder on top of the cart, but we do not. Okay. It's pre-ground. There's just not time is the truth. When you have a hundred people in line and you're serving 10,000 plus people. Yes, I understand. I absolutely understand. And so are you doing when you, your menu, is it um, kind of an open full bar or is it uh, drink A, drink B, drink C? We have our house menu is 24 uh, different drinks, um, basically hot espresso-based lattes, okay. uh, cold brew drinks, and frappuccinos. So it is the full gamut, um, okay. and we are able to do that through the combination of multiple carts, multiple espresso machines, and this, each cart also has a steamer separate from the espresso machine oh interesting so you have yes. you have the machine that's just for drawing shots correct and then you have a steamer unit for correct. for so then that means there's two outlets correct you can do them at the same time because you can pull shots and steam dairy milk at the same time because the, that uh, smaller unit is it's a, a boiler yeah yep. it's called okay. a bellman stovetop steamer um, oh, I know those. Those very, are so great. Little, little contraption. Yes, those um, are so they great. Take a lot of service work to keep them healthy and keep them running right. Which is 100% him. Yeah. He is the fixer <laughs> of the, everything. I'm the maintenance guy around here. So uh, I keep all those gaskets clean and, and fresh. I keep them all like in top tip top shape. And uh, we use a Bellman steamer for dairy milk. We use the steamer on the machine for alternative milks. I see. Okay. So the, the Bellman is, it, it's just a little uh, kind of smaller unit that sits usually on a stovetop. Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And so and are you is. using like a jet boil or? Similar. Okay. 
Okay. It's a, it's a dual fuel stove that, that takes either liquid propane in that recognizable little green cylinder. Yes. Or it can take canned butane. Yes. So okay. It depends on the venue. Honestly, sure. some of them are fine. Just however we do it. They're like, just do it. And we'll use propane. It's a little cheaper. Yeah. But uh, some of them are like, well, you know, we use sterno or butane. And I'm like, well, we'll use butane. Oh, I see. So it depends on kind of the fire marshal and what that particular marshal yeah, wants right. for yeah. indoor fuel. So it's an open flame indoors. Yeah. Wow. So this is new to me because I, I always was under the uh, uh, impression that the open flame requires some type of fire suppression, but you're saying no, you can, you do we have actually a just carry a fire extinguisher. Just uh, like a, a BC, like a two AB. Yeah. Okay. Okay, the commercial the commercial fire extinguishers. Yep. Gotcha. And we have a fire inspection as part of our local inspection, our local permit here yes. in Knox County, Tennessee. In yes. the city of Knoxville. Yeah. It's actually the city that does our fire inspection. Okay. And uh, that was our only requirement for that was to carry a, a, a C fire extinguisher that is inspected on a yearly basis. Wow. Well, that's, wow. For me, you know, that's mind boggling. Like that's, this is the first time I've been introduced to the concept of butane or propane indoors. I've always tried to do it off of some type of heating element. And then of course, if you do it off of a heating element, the issue is you're hogging up an element that your espresso machine needs. Yeah. So, yeah. so you guys are able to, to sidestep the double element issue because of the butane. Correct. Yeah. How did you come to that? That's, a, that's really interesting. Well, my dad, his whole career was in RVs. Okay. So unlike the guy that just found the camper and converted it to a coffee stand, I grew up in campers. Every weekend <laughs> we were camping somewhere. Sure. And I saw parts and I saw tricks that I remembered. So okay. when I was building the first one, I remembered seeing a tiny sink in a pop-up camper. And I looked for it. Turns out the local RV supply place had them in stock, stainless steel, triple wall insulated, little tiny sink. Um, I remember these pumps that I'd see in a boat, you know, that you could like a cistern pump pump water, fresh water into the sink. Look for them, local RV place, got them in stock. How many you want? So we we built a lot of these carts with RV and boat parts. Yes. Because yes. Um, they were built to make a, what you call a galley, a yeah. small kitchen in an RV or a boat. Yes. And the little stoves we use are very small and the flame is very small. Yes. And it is super safe. Like, yeah, used them for years. Never had a problem. Mm -hmm. That's I'm awesome. I'll go ahead and knock on wood, though. <laughs> Just in case. Knock on wood, too. So, uh, and then as far as refrigeration, is that part of the unit? Or are you just using like a cooler to the side? or We're using coolers. Um, so we have any of the venues we work in, we're able to use their walk-in fridge to store like back stock of milk. Yes. But every cart has a super cooler with a divider in it. It will hold four gallons of milk. Yes. And then 
a, like an ice bucket and ice chest. And then we have a backup cooler for ice and a backup cooler for additional perishable milks. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So you have a, you have a cooler that sits behind the coolers and that's to resupply initially. So if you Correct. run out of something in your cooler, you can sneak it from cooler B and then whoever's on the back line can go run and grab supplies. Exactly. Right. Smart. Very smart. Was there a brand of cooler that you went with? Was there something that stood out to you? We've tried them all, to be honest. Yeah. They'll all work. Okay? okay. Like, don't go out and spend the top name cooler because our coolers, those coolers brag about holding ice for nine days. Yes. Okay. Y'all have to hold ice for about 12 hours. Okay. Yes. Not a big deal. Yeah. yeah. They open and close all day long. Uh, so you want one that's well-made. Mm -hmm. um, you want one that's easy to fix. Um, and uh, you want one that stacks well. Because if you're carrying four super coolers to an event, uh, on the way into the event, those super coolers are packed with gear, either blenders or espresso machines for us. We pack yes. them inside those super coolers for, um, for safe travel. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah, currently we use Arctic brand rtic brand coolers yes. they, they don't pay us we're not sponsored sure we asked them they said no <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah they have a the key thing is you want a divider in the cooler to okay. separate the milk side and the ice side do you it's, customly make that divider or do you purchase no, it? Sell it okay all the super coolers have the ability to put a divider in it okay you just have to buy the divider separately and you have to add in our local jurisdiction and almost every other I can think of a thermometer. Oh, I see. Our thermometer goes right on that divider. So okay. when the inspector opens it, they don't have to fish around for the temperature. It's right, right there on the divider. Um, the ice scoop stays on the ice side. The milk stays on the milk side. If you dump, if you spill milk inside your cooler, that's a bummer because you're gonna have to go to the kitchen and clean it out and start over again. We have to be very careful about the sanctity of the ice and the milk in those coolers. Um, so we're working in a tight space, we're working fast, but we have to work clean as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so does your ice sit- They love. In a, they them and they love them. Is the, is the ice in a bucket or is it in that section of the divider? It's in the section. section. I see. Okay, so yeah, once you spill milk, there's cross-contamination, you're done. Exactly. Yeah, okay, got it, got it. That's interesting. Now, was it always that way, or did you use a refrigerator at some point, or did you start off cooler? Coolers from day one. Thank you so much. So when I, when I first got started, I remember I knew nothing on coffee trucking, and I still know very little, but when I first got started, I, I went to the blogs because that's all there was, was like the coffee forums. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting in this discussion with a gentleman who said to me, there is no way I'll ever purchase any coffee from a guy in a cooler. And I remember being so brokenhearted about that, like, oh, and, you know, years later, as my business developed, I learned how important they were and, and how useful and versatile they were. And it became a main staple in my business. Like 
like I, you know, I am, I now feel very comfortable with coolers. Like I have no question whatsoever. And so for, for me, I remember it's just, it's this eye-opening experience that like, that sometimes the advice given in the forums or the opinions given in the forums are not a reflection of the people, you know, that, that, uh, that sometimes they're, yeah. Yeah, sometimes there can be the naysayers out there. Our our setup is looked at by dozens of inspectors. Yeah. They love those coolers. Yeah. Here's the thing, like, and and I was worried about it the first time I took it to an inspection, but they see from their perspective, this dude, these these folks have bought the most expensive cooler like my me and my fishing buddies we know how much them cost those are 400 yeah. coolers and they gotta show it they got the divider in it and the thermometer in it and it's all cleanly organized and you know this doesn't touch this they always love it they think yeah. those are great they, they they always commend us about what a creative use of that that it is and it's like you know those are so well made those super coolers they can hold ice and milk for days literally we took a a trip across the southwest u.s south southern u.s from north carolina all the way to southwest texas and back and we carried those super coolers and what were we two weeks on the road we did two weeks on the road they held ice the whole time they did yeah and we lived out of them and, and my argument for them is that because it's not mechanical refrigeration and because it doesn't require plug-in, you're more ten- temperature stable. Absolutely. That's my argument. I'm like, well, it's cold all the time, but the fridge isn't that way. The fridge is only cold when it's plugged in. Exactly. Yeah. I, w- I, I really wish there's, I hope that that becomes a more commonplace with health inspectors and that they become more comfortable with kind of non-mechanical refrigeration because i do think it's it's a it's significantly more stable at at temperature regulation than plugging things in especially for the mobile application absolutely the environmental impacts alone the coolant is so destructive to the environment for mechanical refrigeration and there can be an argument that says the manufacturing process of these super coolers also has an environmental impact. And it does. The foam that they put in those, the plastic injection molding, all that has a carbon footprint. But we've used those Arctic coolers for six years, bro. Yeah. Six years. And, you know, we started with like three, added another, added a couple more. We have, I don't know, seven or eight of them now. And they will never die. They yeah. will never, they work so, they work as good today as they did when they were brand new. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank, I mean, yes. You wrote <laughs> I mean, I may have replaced a hinge on one or two of them, but yeah, sure. the parts were like four or five bucks. We're talking zero service to these things. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Well, yes. In the van. Yes. And in the back, you know, the bar back. And uh, you can transport gear inside of them safely. Shoot, man, we've rid them, ridden them on the racks on top the of the van before. Yes, sure. them up there with equipment, driven them through a rainstorm, open them up, dry as a bone. That's, I mean, they're, they're designed to hold their water, right? Yeah. So they 
all yep. of the elements from getting in as well as elements getting out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. All right. So I got a few more minutes. I wanted to talk coffee. So, so you, so you guys have, so you folks, excuse me, use a locally roasted coffee. Okay. So, so it's a, it's a home roaster in town and not a home roaster, but a, a, a local roaster. Thank you. Right. And so where, where are you, what, what beans are we using? Are we doing like African beans, Central American beans? How did you find this guy or gal or, or how did the coffee come about? Yes to everything. Um, before COVID, we had maybe five varieties that we were roasting. And part of that quarantine plan was to expand our coffee line. So now we have 19, I believe. 20 varieties oh, 20 in, in, a in week. like a week. We yeah. have one more coming out in a week. Yes. Wow. So we have... Um, and it's still growing. It's still growing. All kinds of coffee. All kinds from single origin to flavored coffee to decafs to... I mean, the beans are from all over. All over. What was our original... I guess it was a two-tired espresso. Yeah, our first roast was an espresso roast that is a blend. And it's a traditional dark Italian espresso roast. And we call it the two-tired espresso. Hence the two tires of a bicycle yeah. and being too tired. That's the pun. <laughs> then we added a couple single origins. My wife and I visited Costa Rica. We fell in love with Tara Zoo coffee from central Costa Rica. We spent a week there learning all about the manufacturing and the farming of Tarazu coffee. We brought a Tarazu coffee online and started roasting a single origin medium Tarazu. Then we so, added a, uh, what was next? I don't even remember the order. So you're, you're roasting your own at this point. We, we partner with a local roaster. I see. It's all roasted on his equipment to our specifications. Ah, so okay. we private label our own line of coffee. Absolutely. So you, you're doing the sourcing and then he's doing the mechanical stuff. He just, you know, hey, I wanted it this and he does his, his, his craft. Some of both, actually. Yep. Okay. He oh, actually really? owns two cafes in town. Okay. The roasting business was originally designed to supply the, uh, the cafes, but you know, and I'm not going to speak for him, but we've yeah. been partners for a long, long time since we began. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cost and the, the upkeep of roasting equipment was more than was justified by two cafes. And so he started seeking wholesale customers. Sure. I came along right at the very beginning of that and became originally a wholesale customer using his brand of coffee beans. Sure. His varieties, his blends. Yes. But over the time, we discussed introducing our own. That yes. was private labeled. Years have gone by. We've continued to expand that line. Now we do things that just are exclusive to us, like 10 different varieties of flavored coffees, which is something that a lot of people in our area don't do, but we we have an all natural flavoring process. Okay. And uh, a great supplier for all natural flavors. And we're 100% in on all natural flavored coffees. They're yeah. very subtle. They're not as shockingly flavored as some of the others that you've had sure. in the past. Sure, sure. And they're really, really delicious. And do you have one that's popular? 
on organic coffee. Do you, do you have one that's popular? Ooh, um, I would say all time, the most popular is called Devil's Food and it is a triple chocolate flavored coffee. Oh. We have, um, we've had several artists that depict us as the owners on the label. So I, I don't know why she thought I would be the devil on devil's <laughs> And adversely, the second most popular- Devil's advocate, Bobby. devil's advocate. Devil. Yeah, maybe that's it. But then she drew on the second most popular, angel food. Why is he the angel on angel food? But those flavored coffees are incredibly popular. Are they really? Okay. Okay. And what was the angel food? So the, the devil's food is, is a triple chocolate. The yes. angel's food is a... It's a vanilla cream. So ah, okay. And they're both roasted. Really, all of our flavors are roasted medium. And so they're perfect. Uh, Colombian Castilla, then they yeah. are um, perfect for cold brew as well. So lots of our customers brew them hot, but a lot of them brew cold as well. We're in the South. We do a lot of, we cater our bean business to our customers. Not And, and we noticed in five and a half years of drink services that 75% of our business was iced and frozen drinks sure. made with our Ethiopian Yerga Chef cold brew. Yeah. And so we, we, of course, packaged. One of the things that she did was create the world's best cold brew kit. And it is a pound of our Ethiopian Yerga Chef coffee Coarse ground for cold brewing. Okay, includes a bone, a beatum, a bodum <laughs> bean, French press style cold brewer. Okay, you can buy from our website. It brews over a gallon of cold brew at home, and then you can try the Ethiopian again if you love it, or try the Devil's Food or the Angel Food, and all of it is catered to brew uh, cold brew in your home fridge. So it, it has a like lot the of our customers did over quarantine. The French press comes well, not French press, but the the apparatus to brew the cold brew, the coarse, the already pre ground coarse uh, Ethiopian bean, yep. and then is there a, a a recipe guide or is it? We send instructions. Instructions. Life is hard. Coffee shouldn't be. Um, right. <laughs> so we always send instructions, and then all of our recipes are completely open to the public. We are literally an open book. So she's a, a recipe machine on social media. She has <laughs> hundreds of recipes, mostly that start on her TikTok channel. That's where she got famous is on TikTok. Uh, Mrs. Petal Java on TikTok. Hundreds of coffee recipes, and she'll. You know, you need that um, German chocolate cake syrup. Guess what? Pedaljava.com. Head on <laughs> over there. The pump comes with it. We sell all the supplies for making those recipes on our website. Did you say pedaljava.com? Yes. That's it, my okay, man. I'll make sure to get that into the link too. Yeah, let me spell it. P-E-D-A-L-J-A-V-A.com. Y'all head okay. over there now. We have coffee. We have supplies. We have gear for making coffee at home. And hundreds of recipes for using those supplies and a mostly good attitude mostly yeah. good. <laughs> Man, guys Dallas, <laughs> thank, thank you so much you guys have been amazing this has been a really wonderful interview we are so huge many good things we love everything green joe has done when we came into the business you were already an influencer in the field and we saw your videos on youtube and we read your articles and your ebooks 
And we knew immediately that this was a guy who's seen all sides of the mobile industry. And I'm not trying to kiss your butt because you know this is all true. You, you've done carts, you've done trucks, you've done cafe work. You, besides being a former paramedic, you, you know more about this business than just about anyone. That's true. So when you speak on the forums, I hope people respect that as an expert. Um, and, and I hope people look at me as someone who's standing on the shoulders of people like you, Vincent. So thank you for having us. We're happy to be a part of your podcast. Absolutely. And uh, y'all reach out to us if you have questions or if you just want to support us, the most important thing to do. Buy coffee. Pedaljava.com. <laughs> Try it out. And Vincent, take a look at our website. Tell me what looks good to you and I'll drop some in the mail to you. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much. Thank you Thank so you much. Three day priority mail on all our coffee. Yeah. We ship it within three days to your door anywhere in the country. Yes. Oh, wonderful. I'll have, I will take you up on that. Awesome. I'm going to try that devil food. I think that's the one for me. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again so much. Thank you. Thank you. You guys take care. You too.